Are you someone with a dream, passion, and desire to become an entrepreneur? Hi, I'm Corey Mosley, and I'm on a mission to provide education and empowerment to aspiring entrepreneurs. If that's you, you're invited to join me every week as I talk with everyday entrepreneurs committed to beating the odds and building their businesses. Welcome to the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. Yes, this is the place where working professionals who want to become entrepreneurs come to get education and information and learn from other people out there who are working every day. Thanks for joining the show. I'm your host, Corey Mosley, and you know what? It's no different. It's another week and another opportunity to learn from one of our fellow entrepreneurs in the community. And today, my guest is Jason Rice. Jason Rice is the founder and owner of a company called Lot Pop. Now, Jason spent, I'm going to say, almost nine years in the automotive retail marketplace selling vehicles online. He worked for one of the largest auto groups in the country, according to the marketplace standards. But he joined a tech startup that had cracked the code on vehicle merchandising. And fast forward eight years, and now he's running his own company, helping dealers utilize technology and market data to improve operations. I've known Jason for about 15 years, and he's got an interesting story because we're going to be talking about timing and patience today. Jason, thanks for joining the show. Thank you, Corey. Thanks for having me, man. So I wanted to have you on because, and we talked about this, a lot of times I work with guests and people send me their story, right? And then we say, hey, this would be good to have on the show or it won't be good. And I read their story and interpret it. I happen to, having known you for 15 years, know your story. And as we continue to bring people different perspectives on starting their business and, you know, sometimes the difficult decisions people have to make, I said, hmm. I want to talk to somebody who, you know what, didn't just jump off the cliff and want to grow, you know, leap. There's a saying, leap and grow your wings on the, on the way mm-hmm. down. And, you know, with five children, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just go leaping off cliffs and hoping it works. So I wanted to have somebody on that could have gone and leaped, but didn't, but had a plan and had patience and worked for years inside an organization, getting expertise, getting information, never losing the entrepreneurial drive, but use the corporate opportunity as a strategy to then become what I call an instant expert. But you're, you're an instant expert at what you do, but you spent eight years becoming an instant expert. But your credibility is so strong now in the marketplace for what you do that that was created by a decision you made, you know, almost 10 years ago. Talk to us a little bit about your origin and kind of how you made the different decision of not just going out on your own when you could have, but capitalizing on an opportunity and hunkering down, learning everything you could, and then almost a decade later, going out and having success. Sure. No, I appreciate it. And, you know, I'm going to reference a lot in the car business because that's my background, but I know we have people in all different industries and I think it will you know, equate to it regardless of what industry you're in. But when I started car sales in 1997, within six months of that, you know, the internet started to be popular and our dealership was trying to be forward thinking and start doing internet sales. So I seen that opportunity there too. I didn't want to be the one of those car salesmen that were on the lot waiting for somebody to pull up and go meet them at their door. I, I just sure. wasn't that type of person. I liked answering the phones and sit back and try to get the relationship built, have them come in and ask for me. So the internet was just a natural transition to work these internet leads where people would be online and inquire online through email about a 
car. So I seen that and I took advantage of that and I treated a lot of people in the car business and maybe again, any industry treat it as a job. And if they were mm-hmm. going to try it out and see what it's like, and eventually they felt like once I got in the internet, I started treating it as like a career and I started getting real good at it and I got noticed. And so, you know, I got opportunities, like you said, to work at one of the largest dealer groups. Um, and uh, that ticket of realizing the internet and the impact on it to the auto industry just allowed me to get some notoriety. I got to do some articles and speak at conferences of what we're able to do. And so that launched my career. And, and, and I didn't want to hop from dealership to dealership. I wanted to maintain. And I, I did go to two, well, three, I guess you could say, over those eight years, um, but at least right. two, three years at a couple of them. But yeah, I, I seen other people like yourself and other people in the industry going out and being consultants and they got to have, that's when my entrepreneur spirit kicked in. I'm like, man, I can do what they're doing because they, they get to travel, they get to, they're making good money, they don't have the headaches of the dealership, they can train and teach people how to do this because right. like I said, I did articles and I enjoyed doing that, giving back. I've literally been in a plane once, you know, here I am 23 (laughs) when I started. So almost 30 years old, I've been in a plane once. I've never had to sell to a dealer before. So if I wanted to go out and consult, I needed to learn that. Well, I got an opportunity to work for that software company that you mentioned. And I, and I thought about it. I'm like, you know, this. and and you were like, you were like employee number like four or something, right? Well, actually two. Um, There was already, the first one was his assistant. It was Dale Pagliato. It was his assistant. And then I was the first kind of outside to help handle accounts and he would sell it and I would travel and train the dealerships. Gotcha. And so I go, you know what? It was a great opportunity. I wanted to do it, but you know, again, I had that entrepreneur burn, but I go, you know what? I'll use this platform because it'd be a good experience. It'd get me to learn how to travel, get to learn to be a vendor and sell to dealers and I'll use this for a while to learn how to get all that stuff done that where if I did go out on my own to consult, I've got that in my back pocket. I know how to do those things now. But I spent eight years there. It was a great company, great experience. So let me ask you, so you would say it was strategic, right? You didn't yeah. just say, you know, you were faced with the opportunity, you saw others, you know, that were going out kind of doing what you wanted to do and felt you were effective at. But you looked at this opportunity and then strategically made that decision. What'd you say? Or it's better? Better than the people doing it. okay so uh, but you strategically said hey you know what here's my plan now what drove that plan was it all was it just economics was it family life I mean obviously you're married with kids what made you make the decision to really park your dream to a certain extent for almost a decade well the and again I didn't think it'd be a decade but the person was a great opportunity the pay was good and the travel was the only question with my wife. But if you know automotive or retail business, any retail business, most of them, a lot of nights and weekends. And I, I told my right. wife, I said, babe, you know, and at that time we had two kids um, mm-hmm. and they're fairly young, eight and like six or five. And I told them, um, I was like, man, there's some nights. I mean, there's some mornings I'm leaving before they're up and right. some night, and, and then that night they're already in bed by the time I get home. So what's the difference if I'm on the road for two days or three days, I'm going to see right. them about thing when in that reality of retail business and we agreed on that and that was kind of how it worked out plus I got to work from my home when I wasn't traveling now if I had to travel and then go into an office at the same right. time that would have been harder but still probably would have done the opportunity again just to like you said be strategic on going okay I'm not an expert at traveling I don't know how to sell the dealers this will get my foot in the door of that at least do it for a year or two and if it don't work out I can always go back to this or worst case scenario I can always go back to a dealership and go back and sell cars again so that was the the idea of that. But again, uh, the opportunity in the company I've seen uh, was huge. 
And again, that was 05, going into 06. And two years into it, year or two into it, we really kind of took off because the recession hit and um, car dealers were struggling and they're looking for other ways to get some car sales going. And this company right. was in the forefront of really helping some dealerships get huge results. So that company was able to take off. And that's where, you know, next thing I know, I'm there for eight years. So let's talk about that for a second because, okay, great. You had this strategy. Let me go into this new area. Let me develop a new skill. Let me get some expertise in the market that was really being created. So there was some good fortune, some good timing there. We'd probably agree. But mm-hmm. now, because you fast forward, right? Now you settled in. We talked a little bit before we went live. You're making several hundred thousand dollars now. You've got stock options. You've got all this stuff going on. Now mm-hmm. you're kind of entrenched, which also happens to a lot of people, right? Yeah. They put the dream on hold to go in and now you're all fully vested. The two children are now five children now, yeah. right? You've yeah. got your own gang. Yeah. You've got the rice gang now, right? So how do you then break away or, or refocus yourself at that point well, to this new objective? Well, and I didn't even fill you in on the pause in that area there. This is about two years before I actually did quit. I tried to quit. And it was, <laughs> then it was pride and ego. I was going, I didn't see much growth opportunity and I, and I'm doing it for six years and I'm going, you know what? I had this idea again, similar to what we're doing at what I was doing. And just, right. I knew dealers needed deeper help. And I'm like, gotcha. I can help them more than what I can at this position. So I can start my own company and help them deeper on a weekly and, and more entrenched. And so, but again, it was pride and ego. And I right. went to my boss and I turned in my resignation to quit and they go, hold on. And they talked me out of it. They said, you know, we're being acquired by another company, which they did, they got bought. And they said, there's going to be opportunities down the road, stick around. I know you're frustrated. I know you got things going on. I, I know you need a bigger challenge. They said, stick around. So I said, fine. And I, I said, I, okay. Because back then I was just a, what, a performance manager, you know, handling accounts. And I wanted that title. I wanted that uh-huh. pay. I wanted that prestigeness that everybody chases in their career. Right. So that opportunity came a year down the road after I tried to quit. That opportunity came and I said, all right. Now, and I earned that business uh, position. It wasn't just because I was number one. I, I got the numbers, everything I needed to line. I, I didn't want me to be the excuse or my lack of production to be the excuse of why I didn't get the production. You know, I didn't, right. I knew they wouldn't give me the position just because I was the first person that started gotcha. the company. I had to have the numbers. So I, I made sure that happened and I got the promotion and I'm thinking, okay, maybe this change of pace is what I need. I get to lose my accounts. I don't have to worry about 150 accounts anymore and I can go help 25 performance managers. So my travel kicked back up and now I got the title and the money and everything. And and this is wonderful. But then it just started hitting me, eating at me. And mostly it was a more a, a spiritual journey. It was, I just felt like I needed to be a better leader at home and church. And I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking back at my wife and my kids and I'm gone all the time. And half my son's life, I've been on the road. And, and I remember being in New York and my wife's to visit a dealer that I didn't even know. They didn't know me. But the night before, you know, I'm getting a call from my wife and she's, and my son's playing lacrosse and she's like, he got punched, he got tackled and, and this kid's supposed to be ejected from the game, but he's not. And there's another dad down there yelling at the ref, wondering why this kid isn't ejected from the game, you know? And I'm like, what the heck's going on? And I realized, I'm like, what am I doing here? This guy's defending my son at this game. Well, I'm going to be going to a dealership that won't remember me tomorrow. And um, mm. I said, you know, 
this ain't worth it. You know, I thought all this title and money and everything else was, you know, what we work for in life. And I'm right. like, what am I doing? And I'm like, I got to get off the road. I got to figure this out. And I didn't want to go back in the dealership. I didn't want to change vendors because they're a great company. I said, I'm going to go back to that idea that I've had for a long time, for two years now. I got everything, pride and ego got filled with the title and the money. Mm-hmm. And then I mm-hmm. said, you know what? You know, it's not what I thought it was going to be. And so I, I, you know, that's when I finally said, okay, I'm going to do this. And the founder of the company, you know, when I went to him, he goes, and when I quit, he's like, Jason, you need to do this. And I don't know if he was saying that because my mind wasn't right and it wasn't good for the company or the fact that he, right. I just, I needed this. I've been, I've been burning to do this for a while. So, so, kinda, so and well, I was going to bring that up because that gave yeah. me that freedom because if I would have quit when my pride and ego was there and did it and those struggles, because believe me, and we can talk about it, the struggles I had the first couple of years and, and, and pay and all that stuff if those struggles happened back then, I would have had doubt. Somebody else would have got my promotion and I would have been, Oh, that should have been me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe I should go back and, right. and this is, and it was bad timing, you know, all those things. But when I finally did it, it was right time because I got everything I thought I needed. You know, all that was behind me now, you know? And, and so it worked out great, but go ahead. I know you're No, I was just going to say that because again, timing and patience, right? So, mm-hmm. You know, timing, you know, watching the market, some things align, you know, listen, faith plays a role depending on where someone is in their, in their faith and their belief system, right? Because, you know, there's people that people talk about all the time, hey, you know, that person's so lucky or they're always at the right place at the right time, but it is being willing to play the long game. That's what this episode really is about, right? Yeah. You yeah. played the long game and now talk to us. Because uh, I ran into you when you had just first started and you, you know, you had your, you collecting your business cards, you had your app and you kind of had your business model on your little first website and things were going. And now, you know, we fast forward, what, a couple of years? Five. It'd be five in September. Fast forward. Now you've got, you know, new offices going in. And so what I want you to talk about to everybody is because, I mean, you, you are the quintessential crawl, walk, run when you think yeah. about it over yeah. time. But Talk about even in those last couple of years, how you've expanded the business or, or what your approach has been to doing it, right? You didn't okay. just go, hey, I'm here and now I'm going to spend all this money to go big. Sure. You still kept the same tortoise in the hair, so to speak, approach to organically growing this business. Yeah. And the thing was, and I was talking to you before about the struggles, I had, um, it's a consultant business essentially, yeah. but I didn't name it Jason Rice and Associate. I, I named it what I did because I didn't want it to be about me. So I was trying to be strategic there and saying, okay, right. I, I really want it to be a company and grow, not just another job. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, no big exit strategy down the road as far as, you know, just do this until I die type thing. I had to be strategic on that. But as a consultant, it's hard to find any kind of resources. You know, there's a lot of entrepreneurship stuff about franchises and there's things out there about, uh, you know, having a product and selling that product. But the product was myself. So that first year, I mean, I can only, we do weekly calls. We do an hour weekly calls with our dealerships. So I can really only handle 20, 25, 30 tops. Right. And that's what I had to do the first year or two. And I, and I went through struggles of, I'm in the automotive business, but I see an opportunity in the motorcycle and RV dealer uh, right. there because there it seemed to be five years behind the car business. And I'm thinking, right. I can help those guys out. And then I realized, you know, a year or two into it, as I was struggling to figure that out, I go, you know what? actually a first year it's like focus on what you're good at step back get back to what you're good at and focus on that you can do that stuff down the road but focus what you're good at right so so first year going through the headache second year fine-tuning what I knew really worked 
And then the only way I could grow is I had to then, well, the first, second year, I had to take a leap of faith of hiring somebody to help the workload that I had, data entry mm. and all these other things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember calling my old boss up and saying, hey, I got this struggle. I need to hire somebody, but I don't feel like I can until I get more accounts, but I can't get more accounts until I get help. And he- Chicken and egg. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> right. do it. It's scary, but the best thing you're, you'll look back and it's the best thing you make, just do it. And I'm like, okay. So now, what do you, so, so let me pick up on that real quick. I think there's so much, I think one of the greatest perils for solopreneurs or people starting up is this DIY approach to everything, Mm -hmm. right? We believe in the chief cook, bottle washer kind of thing, but there's something to be said for doubling down on your skills and then working to fill these other gaps that you have versus just trying to, like you could have burnt yourself, really toasted yourself out. Because you could have, you know, worked with clients during business hours and then use your after hours to do all your data entry, which maybe which you I did for a little while. That's but yeah, yeah, yeah. But at some point, there's always this, even you had to be pushed through mentorship to really make that leap. But it should be the first thing people think about in a lot of instances yeah. when but they I, have the plan in place. Yeah. And what I end up doing, I did a lot of the work myself and then uh, I also outsourced it. I found somebody yes. that knew people in India and I didn't want this to create this a company that, you know, outsource jobs. But what was beautiful right. about that was their night was our, it was our morning. So yes. while yes. I was sleeping, they're working, I get up my yes. stuff sitting there waiting for me. Yes. And so I, I use that resource. But then when I could actually give back, you know, like I said, I didn't want to have to, then I hired somebody internally, but that got me through a lot of that but really how many people are you up to now um 12 okay wow amazing yeah amazing um but one book i mentioned a book e-myth the e-myth yes michael gerber Um, yep yes that kind of set my mindset on okay i got to figure out a way to franchise prototype dumb this down and narrow this thing down to the simplest form and be able to reproduce it reproduce it reproduce it and so my, my first person to hire was just a data person. I mean, that, right. that and, and photo management person that I needed help with. It wasn't to grow the company. It was just to allow me to have more time to handle my accounts. But man, I'm going to tell you though, also, and I, I want to mention this because my first year, I mean, there's times even a year ago, I mean, we're, we're talking five, five digits, 60 grand in past dues, you know, that I'm trying mm-hmm. to chase. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. my first year, I remember I was 18 grand in past dues. Couldn't make my mortgage payment. This was probably six, eight months into it. Couldn't make my mortgage payment on time. So that, that screwed up our credit. My, my wife doesn't work, you know, so she right. stays at home. And, and, and here, when I left this, this was my adventure or my yeah. leap. I didn't want to affect my kid and my wife's and their livelihood. I didn't want to have to downsize my house and, and cut back things. I, I just said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to make this work. I didn't have no security net. I walked away from pension 401k, almost 1%er type money. A lot of walk away on the faith that somebody had my back again, that this was the path I was supposed to be on. And so, you know, when I was in that situation, going to the mailbox every day, because I worked out of my basement, going to the mailbox every day, waiting for checks to show up. My wife's yes. going, hey, this ain't working out. You need to go back. I'm like, no, it's working out. I've got the accounts. I just need them to pay. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Right. Fly to Indianapolis and knock on their door to get my check. It's working. It's I just, still I know where you're coming you know? from. And I'm like, babe, it, it, just trust me, babe. Just, and, and so I'm going to go back to having my wife and that support there because, yes, she challenged me, but that was a good thing. You know, she's pushing me. Um, but having her backing on this to really help that. But man, we went some struggles in that first year and even the second year, just to, it was just more receivables than anything else. Yep, sure. 
that's, listen, that's the funny part. That's the worst, Jason. Yes. It's what, people think the problem is not having clients, right? No. <laughs> what, what's more, what's more of a mind? Um, I don't want to have to put an explicit on this podcast. So, what's more of a mind meld? I will say as yeah. another word I'm thinking of. What's more of a mind meld is to know you've booked business, yeah. you have revenue, but you can't collect it. Yeah, oh yeah. Or cash flow kill you. Gosh, it was, and so, and but that's the thing. I couldn't imagine having a product that I had to pay for production and then go sell it because the cash flow would even be worse right, and wait right. for people to pay you. Right. How those guys do that, man, even, even stronger entrepreneurs. Well, when we whatever. started doing, well, we started doing manufacturer business. Yeah. The manufacturer business is net 90. Mm. So you're, you know, you're rolling out programs where we have, you know, eight, nine people in the field all yeah. And not two dollar an hour guys. So all yeah. guys making a hundred that you're paying a hundred grand that yeah. need they're not waiting ninety days to get paid. So yeah. it's a cash flow is people yeah. talk about revenue, people talk about profit, but cash flow is such the lifeblood of creating all the every bridge that's ever created is created through cash flow. Yeah. You know? And I didn't think I'd have that problem because again, I, I was telling you earlier, just give me a computer and a little quiet space right. and a phone and I can go. You know, I don't right. how much cash I just need to pay my bills. And right. I was trying to get back to the money. You know, if anything, I was just trying to get back to the money I left. Now, right. anything above that was was great. And so again, right. I wasn't pushing it to be this huge company, but I said, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to set it up to where it can grow and be other things than just me. And so going into that third and fourth year, going into that third year, I was able to hire another person to handle accounts. Now that's not cheap. We're talking hiring GM, right. you know, another six figure type person. And so, you know, at that point in time, when I got him on board and he was a client of ours that walked away from the dealership and I called him up and he took the leap of faith to be my first hire and go, I want to see, huh. make sure they're not buying me, you know, they're buying the product and the process. Right. So then right. I came up in order to do that, I had to train him and we look at a bunch of charts. I mean, I, I pull a bunch, hundred different data points, but there's about 30 that really mattered. So then I came up with a scoring system, said, okay, here's the 30. And if this one scores out great, then they're doing a good job. If this one scores out bad, they're doing doing a bad job. And so that's how I trained them. But that also then created a product. Blueprint. We, yeah, we call right. it lot score. And now this is our software that we use. And so now I'm on to my third and fourth guy that handling dealership calls. And but they look at that inventory no different than I do. The way the scoring system works and the way we look at their inventory and what cars need to be adjusted, what adjustments we need to make this week is again, going back to E-myth, it's a dumbed down version of going, okay, right. here's how everything lines up. And if this is bad, this, so my third and fourth guy to hire them to add 20, 25 more accounts, the dealership's going to get the same service out of them as they would for me. And, but I had the background, right? I had the articles, I got the notoriety, they knew who I was and they didn't know who this guy was and I'm doing the demo. They want me, but this guy can do everything that I've done. Cause again, he's a general, my guys right. are 30 year veterans, you know, that are GMs and GSMs. And so they can walk the walk with my dealers. But. Man, Jason, this has been some great information. I also, you know, listen, a lot of people are gun shy about talking about adversity. So I appreciate your honesty there because there's so many people struggling that are waiting for it to happen or going through some exact things you talked about, especially in the first year. I was doing a coaching session before we came on to do the podcast. And, you know, I was talking to a guy about tax planning, which is something people ignore. But I was talking about, you know, bad advice. And, you know, there was a year where we made over a million dollars and I had a bad accountant. 
and the IRS came looking for their hundred grand. And it was like, uh, yeah, that, you know, (laughs) like, you know, so bad advice and all those different, there's so much that goes in the, that goes in the trick bag there, but But I'm go ahead. Okay. Cause I know you're going down the road, but you know, we're at that level, you know, we're doing seven figures, seven figures, and we're, we're at that point, but also I've been blessed. And now again, the first couple of years, it's, it's been a grind. And even now, you know, my family goes to bed at nine o'clock, a lot of them, and I'm sometimes working from nine to midnight and I right. have those times. So don't think it's, it's getting easier for me, but I've mostly been able to do this working eight to five nights and weekends off, you know, and that, right. like I said, I, I didn't make the money, the, the primary thing. I knew dealers needed help and I knew I could fulfill that. And then I strategically, like I said, just try to set it up and it's just all been working out, but I was patient with that. But, right. um, it's, it's been rewarding, but yeah, you go look back and we just moved into this office space, like you said, and I look back and go, man, you gotta watch what you wish for, you know, cause now I got all these other headaches. I'm like, can I go back to when it was in the basement and me and that's right. <laughs> cause now That's I got right. 12 employees. I got this and that. I got accounts. Overhead, employer, no problems. Investor, yep. you know, and all the legal jargon. I'm like, Oh my goodness. You gotta watch what you wish for. But it's been a blessing and it, and, but it's five years, but really, like you said, 15 years in the making it's just been yeah. 20 years in the making since 97 that i got here but uh, so let me ask you as i ask everybody what would you say thinking about all of that right what mm-hmm. was your what would you consider to be your craziest entrepreneurship moment uh and it's, it's just not too crazy but it was like i said i wanted to get into the motorcycle rv world and so i took the family and we loaded up and went to chicago made a family trip out of it went to a motorcycle convention you know and i'm mm. going okay i'm gonna get my foot in the door here so we spent right. all this money to drive up to chicago spend the weekend there and visit the city but here i am in this motorcycle conference where i don't nobody no vendors or nothing it was kind of a waste of money and time you know again it was a learning thing because i realized you know yeah, I know that's an avenue we can go down and go down strong, but man, right. I still focus. And five years later, I realize, you know what? Just focus on what you get at. Get that right. Well, and just on. for the record, just for the record, I'm, we're going to move on to the to the rapid fire section. But just for the record, I think um, it's a much crazier moment to be going to that mailbox, brother, <laughs> yeah. hoping there's a check inside <laughs> than it is mailbox. going to the motorcycle convention. Yeah. Just, no, that, just, I mean, just say it. More, but yeah, there that was. Uh, <laughs> No, that's good. Listen, it's your crazy. It was a crazy moment because you spent all that money trying to get into a runner that you weren't ready for, for sure. So, okay, we're moving on. We're now at our entrepreneurship rapid fire section. Of course, in this segment, I'm going to ask you some of the things that make you tick as an entrepreneur. Are you ready? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Jason Rice, PC or Mac? PC. I know you don't What's, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. What's uh, your favorite credit card for small business? Amex, American Express. Physical planner or digital planner? Digital, but it just, I just had, I know it's rapid fire, but I just uh, was trying to get a dry erase board up to my guys so I can visually see stuff like our, like at the dealership. Okay. On the board. Gotcha. Yeah. What's your favorite software right now to manage your business? Slack. Awesome. I love, we're big Slack fans. Starbucks, Dunkin', or something else? Just make it at home, man. I don't pay $5 for no coffee. <laughs> <laughs> are you a are yes. you a thank you card or thank you email kind of person? Email. When it comes to reading, hardcover, tablet, or audiobooks? Used to love my hardcovers, but more tablet, Kindle. Audio. Audio is big, though, because it takes a while to mow my lawn and, and 
exercise. <laughs> oh, somebody's sitting on some acres. Okay, what's your uh, what would you consider to be your next big goal? Mm, give more than I make. Give more than you make. Is that what you said? Yep. Give more than you make. Okay. What, you know, what's I mean, your you get to that point where you'd be able to you know give back and yeah you know like I said I was trying to do this for the money it's more or less just trying to fill a void that I needed to entrepreneur value yeah but um what's the old Zig Ziglar right uh, the mm-hmm. way to get everything you want is to help as many people get everything that they want yeah yeah all right cool finally one day with any mentor who would that obviously someone you don't mentor with now one day with any mentor who would that person be. Um, you know, I just, I like watching and not saying he's ideal, uh, as a min- business mentor. <laughs> just I mean, go ahead. Who are you getting no, ready to say? <laughs> no, I, like, I like Marcus Limonis because okay. a lot of background there, automotive, same birthday, same age, all that kind of stuff. And met him. Oh, are you really? The guy's so sincere. Yeah, exact birthday, yeah. all that stuff. Met him at CBT news conference. Yep. Yep. The guy's sincere to the bone and he just seems legit, you know, and plus that background, I'd like to spend a day or two with him. Okay. Well, listen, I think that probably can happen. Awesome. Well, listen, I appreciate that. Now we've come to our final segment, entrepreneurship trivia. This is where you get an opportunity to uh, test your trivia chops and win some money for your charity. So the way this works is pretty simple is I'm going to ask you a trivia question. If you get the answer correct, I will donate $25 to the charity of your choice. If you get the answer wrong or when you get it wrong, as I like to say to my guests, uh, you will donate $25 to the charity of my choice. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Okay. This information is according to Business Insider. What percentage of small business owners look to social media for business advice? Here are your options. A, 45%. B, 65% or C, 85%. I would say B. B, 65%. Is that your yes. final answer? Yes, sir. That is actually the correct answer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 65% of small business owners look to social media for business advice, according to Business Insider. All right. Looks like you picked up $25. What charity will I be donating to? Well, I've got five on my site that we try to give back to. One's, and so you get to choose Wounded Warrior, Compassion International, National Stroke Association, American Diabetes Association, or Foundation Fighting Blindness. What would you like? Okay. They're all on your website? Yep. All right. So I will go check it out, and then I will pick one, and, uh, and then we'll get it done. Yeah, there's a 30, 40-second video explaining why I have those on my site. Very nice. Now, I know people aren't necessarily uh, listening to this or in the auto industry, but people want to maybe check you out or even, you know, learn more about you. How would they just connect with you in the social sphere? Sure. I'm Jason Rice, but that's with an E-N. So J-A-S-E-N Rice and Lot Pop is the company. Um, Lot Pop. So you can go to lotpop.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, a little bit on Twitter. I'm there, but don't tend to do too much there. Yeah, check me out on those avenues. Awesome, man. Jason, I want to appreciate you for joining the show. Thank you very much, Corey. And listen, this guys, this has been another episode of Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. We are wrapping up. And you know what? As always, I leave you with this. Keep the mind sharp, the vision clear, the resolve strong, and you will make it. I'm Corey Mosley. This has been another episode of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. Check us out online at fearlesswithcorey.com. And if you have not taken my free training, five simple strategies to get your business started now, you need to go to our website and check it out. I'll see you all next week.
Are you still there? I just want to say thank you again for listening to this podcast. Our podcast is distributed to several different sources like iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud, plus, of course, our own website. And it would mean so much to me if you liked the show to leave a review. It, of course, helps to build our popularity, but it also helps us come up in search engines so we can reach as many entrepreneurs as possible. So, can I count on you to leave a review? I know I can. Thanks again, and I look forward to sharing with you next week.